Hey guys, today we're going to talk about the last section in objectivism, the philosophy of Ayn Rand, covering sense perception, and that is the perceptual level as the given. Stay tuned. Okay, so this is the last section in OPAR discussing sense perception, and it is the perceptual level as the given. Let's start off with a quick summary of what Leonard covers in this section. And essentially, he takes us through a chronology of development where human beings start at the, at the level of sensation of these discrete, um, time-limited influxes uh, of you know, color, smell, um, noise, and says that the next level we reach is when these become automatically integrated by the brain into entities, and in particular that we perceive a world of entities, including their characteristics. And that even though chronologically this is how human beings progress, what is actually given to us, what's our automatic form of contact with reality as adults, that is as people functioning and thinking philosophically, is perception. And this is in contrast to philosophers like Hume, who say, no, what we have automatically, our starting point is sensations, and then it's a conceptual effort to get to objects and get to causality. And as Leonard points out, like that's not something that you can actually do if you start with discrete sensations. So let's just make sure that we're clear on what this distinction is between the perceptual and sensations. So the perceptual level, as I said, is a world of entities. It's that we perceive a world of objects, including their characteristics, or at least some of their characteristics. And we, we perceive these entities as stable, enduring objects that we can learn about, explore. We can, you know, pick up a ball and we can, and in perception, there's a sense of it has uh, weight. There's a, it has color and we can look at different sides of it. And, um, but what you're perceiving is this world of entities spread out before you that can be explored. Whereas sensations, it's not simply um, perceiving characteristics. It's that you're you're aware of an isolated, discrete, time-limited influx. Like, um, if you want to take the closest that you could get to really concocting what an what a sensation would be as a human being, imagine those experiments where you know they have you floating in one of these sensory deprivation chambers, and there's a flash of red light. It's not a red light coming from somewhere or whatever, but it's just there, and then it's gone. And, you know, as an adult, we don't have these and we'll get to, you know, whether we ever had them that only in weird kind of circumstances can you even get something resembling what it would be to experience sensations. Um, so it's what, what, we're, what we're given in perception is objects, entities in a world that's laid out before us, a world filled with entities that we can explore. So if you want to take an example, perception is I see the fire truck drive by and it has a lot of elements to it is as this object drives by, I see, I, I perceive that it has a certain color and a certain shape and there's a gust of wind that the movement of the fire truck creates and I can see its sirens and he, or I can see the, the lights flashing and the sirens blaring, but it's, but I'm perceiving the 
object including these characteristics of its sensory qualities of its color and its sound and its effects as it's you know driving and contrast that with the the what it would mean to talk about in terms of sensations which is just there's a blotch of red and there's the pressure of you know that we would uh say is from wind and there's a noise that's there and gone that's these discrete disconnected um sensory flashes of energy in effect and that is what objectivism is rejecting and saying no it's that um to to view things and to, to isolate characteristics um from their objects to think about sensory qualities requires an act of abstraction that what is that that is a more sophisticated perspective than i see the fire truck drive by and make noise and create gusts of wind that it's the actual objects moving across a world filled with other objects that is uh what's given to us and being able to isolate and focus on the characteristics of those objects is a more sophisticated perspective now as a quick aside um this idea that human beings start out at the level of sensations and go through a sensation stage this is probably not true i haven't explored this in great depth but certainly objectivists who have uh harry binswinger comments on this in his book and i believe i've heard other objectivist philosophers who've you know actually looked a little bit more into the evidence um the uh, harry gives a kind of more intuitive example of something like a cult right who's born and minutes later you know hours later maybe uh is able to run about the world and that wouldn't be possible if it started at a sensation stage and so what we can basically infer is well like you know if horses can basically be, be born perceiving the world perceptually then uh there's no reason to think that human beings go through this kind of stage uh, but as Harry points out, Ayn Rand was probably drawing on, you know, the state of psychology at the time. This isn't a philosophic issue. This is, that's a, um, something that has, that is based on the special sciences. And really the only reason to focus on that kind of chronological development is really just as a way of making a dis- the distinction between that that's not where we are once we're at the level of thinking philosophically, that we're not at the level of sensations if if we ever were um so there's nothing philosophically that hinges on that chronological development but it's just it's just worth knowing because it is presented in opar um this is a view that objectivists have disagreed with ayn rand for and um by that to the extent i've looked into it i think there's pretty strong reasons to uh but i don't think it's 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 that important and in fact i think it has zero importance philosophically it's just a scientific question what does matter philosophically is that the integration of sensory inputs of sense data is performed not by consciousness not by the mind is performed by the brain what we're aware of is not sense data we're not aware of the kind of uh the process by which you know the external world impinges on our physical senses we're not aware of kind of little pieces of sensations that our mind is putting together it's that our brain is integrating all of the incoming information if you want to put it that way from the senses and what we experience is the world directly and to say that we experience the world directly is not is not to deny that there's a process involved as we talked about last time 
it's crucial that there is a process of awareness. But what we're aware of is not the process. We're aware of the objects. We're aware of a world of objects. And that is really what's being underlined here in the perceptual level as the given. And you might wonder, like, why does this deserve a whole section? And why does the section come at the end of the senses? And I, I, I don't think it's because there, that philosophers make a certain error. That is, they treat sensations as our primary contact with reality. That's true, and that's important. And if you read Hume, this is right at the. This is in his foundation. So Hume is really interesting. Uh, he starts out his his first work with, all right, what? It's basically a taxonomy of the items in consciousness. And he says, well, all right, well, we have impressions and we have ideas. And impressions are sense data, not objects, not perceptions, but the white of the paper and the flicker, you know, of a candlelight. It's the, we have all of these sensations that are kind of disconnected and how do we ever put them together? And as an aside, it's really worth reading Hume because particularly what we've talked about so far in Opar is the starting points of metaphysics and epistemology. And the for Ayn Rand, the starting point is reality. The starting point is objects in the world. And then when we move to epistemology, it's okay. We're, there is a world. It is and has identity. It has causality. And then there's a question, well, how do we know? And what Hume does, is, and this is following Descartes, is it's all you're starting with consciousness. And you're trying to itemize what's in consciousness. And there's a whole thing, like you're not connected to the world. You're not connected to external reality at all. And, But I don't think that that is what is driving this section. Certainly that's important. But what's really going on here, I think, is that this, is, this section is the bridge between metaphysics and epistemology. That is, if you think objectivism's view ultimately is that to know, to reach truth, is to uh, is to know reality. It is to know what is true in the world. And in effect, the then what this is doing is saying that what it means for a human being to know reality is to know is to connect their knowledge to the perceptually uh, to the perceptual level to what's perceptually given. That that is the whole meaning of connecting something to reality because that's our primary form of contact with reality. So once we get to the conceptual level and try to develop a method for thinking, it's all going to be how do we keep the relationship between our conceptual level, which as we'll see is volitional, it can depart from reality. How do we keep that connected to our direct contact of the world with the world through perception? And so this then it becomes really important to get right. Okay, what is that form of direct awareness? Because, you know, as we, I think if you read human, this is exactly what's illustrated there, that if you get this wrong and you say, oh, well, we're tying it back to the smallest units uh, of perception, um, but th that which is not the given, if we're tying it back to sensations, you can never get, if sensations are your starting point, you could never get to objects. You could never get to causality. You can never get to, you can never get anywhere. And that's really the kind of um, bottom line of the Humean philosophy. Um, but if the starting point is perception and, this, and it's a direct awareness of entities, 
then we can get somewhere really valuable. And that's the, I mean, that's exactly what the objectivist philosophy is laying out is the foundations, the philosophic perspective that emerges once you realize, all right, we start with knowledge of the world. And then what that means for a human being is the knowledge provided by the senses and then built on by the senses through a logical method that will keep us tied to reality. One way to think about it is that this whole section on sense uh, on sense perception is basically do we have or what is our automatic inerrant contact with reality <clears throat> and if you think about the early sections the focus is on do we have this do we actually have automatic inerrant contact with reality and the emphasis here is not is not whether uh, or how but what what is that direct contact with reality and the objectivist view is that, look, if you start like Hume with the, the belief that our direct contact with reality is sensations, you can't get anywhere. You can't get from discrete units of sensory experience or uh, sensory qualities is probably the best way to put it. You can't get from that to entity, to causality, and therefore you can't get to um to knowledge because knowledge is just identification and causal connections and so we what we're really getting here is the bridge of saying okay we've established that when you have contact with reality it's going to be sense perception and then once we get after we get through volition then we're going to see okay how is our conceptual level which can depart from reality how is that going to be tied to our direct form of awareness of reality the senses, and in particular, the world of objects that we're aware of through our senses. So that is it for this section. We've covered metaphysics, now we've covered the senses, and next time we will start on the first section as we investigate the objectivist conception of free will. If you like this video, make sure to like it, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and hit that bell so you don't miss a single episode. And as always, the best way to stay in contact is to go to donswriting.com and sign up for the newsletter. Talk to you next time.